Hey, welcome to Doggy Be Good. Good day, everyone. This is the Doggy Be Good podcast, once again with Dennis Lee, myself. And Mike and DeMarco. That's right. I'm Doggy Be Good. And today's topic will be dealing with frequently asked questions uh, regarding boating your dog. Kennel situations. Kennel situations. Shots for the dog. And we finally have email questions. Thank you for the people who have emailed us and asked us questions. We've been waiting for that. And we encourage anybody else who's listening to this to please send us emails and questions because we'd love to hear from you. Right. Okay, Dennis, I got got an email here from John K. He says, what's the deal with the injections needed for boarding? Um, I got all the required injections. Mm -hmm. However, my dog wound up still getting sick at our boarding facility. Um... And he's from let's oh he's from Oklahoma. Yeah. All right, well that you know that, that's that's interesting, John. Um, in New York, the required shots for boarding are rabies, bordadella, DHLP, which stands for distemper, hepatitis, leptose, and parvoinfluenza. These are the shots that are required. Now in the boroughs, the bordadella shot is required twice a year. The Think about it, I and mean, especially in boarding facilities where there's a you know the high turnover rate. Just because your dog is vaccinated for such you know something such as bordadella, which is the uh, kennel cough shot, just because the dog is vaccinated for it does not mean the dog can't get sick. Um, it's much like you know getting a flu shot. When you get a right. flu shot, that doesn't guarantee you not to get the flu. Um, you know you you can still go and, and and come in contact with the flu and wind up with the flu. However, it does limit the, you know, uh, how can I say, it does limit the the, the effect of the, uh, you know, the sickness, you know, it'll make it much less than if you didn't have the shot, you know. The, the, so it sort of reduces the symptoms exactly, of it. Exactly, exactly. I couldn't right. get that out. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, at boarding facilities, well, most boarding facilities anyway, um, you know, we, we do everything in our power to try and reduce the risk of cross-contamination, and we also try to reduce the risk of, you know, having any dogs that are sick coming in. However, when you board a certain amount of dogs, and we do, we do, you know, we do anywhere from 800 to 1,000 dogs a year, um, you know, when you're doing that many dogs, the possibility of a dog coming in with, you know, Bordadella and not really having symptoms but carrying the Bordadella, it's very likely. You know, it happens. Um... So, you know, I know, I know that a lot of people, you know, would say, oh, well, you know, then that boarding facility is bad. And that doesn't necessarily mean the boarding facility is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's just that much like sending a kid to school, you know, they do come in contact with things. Um, however, you know, we, like I said, we do everything in our power to ensure the safety and health of all the dogs. And that's, you know, you know, we do that by disinfecting all our water bowls. We only use stainless steel bowls. Oh, okay. Um, we don't use anybody else's bowls. We only use our own bowls. And again, we disinfect everything every day after every meal and after all the water bowls every night. Um, we do disinfect the outside kettle runs, the cement area. We bleach everything and hose everything down, uh, sometimes once, twice a day. Um, no less than once a day, but twice a day most of the time. As well as the interior kennels where the dogs sleep at night every morning when the dogs let out. It's all disinfected. Everything is picked up, taken out. Uh, we don't accept any bedding from other, you know, from 
people, nothing with stuffing, um, you know, because of any kind of um, bed bugs or anything like that. We take nothing with stuffing. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, and but, you know, as hard as you try, you can't always guarantee that your dog is going to, you know, come back yeah. as healthy as he went in. I mean, thank God we've been very fortunate, and, you know, we really haven't had any any issues here, but, you know, I, I have heard of a lot of, you know, places that people have come out of, and their dogs have been sick, but, you know, you do everything you can. How serious is kennel cough? Because the fact that New York City requires that the dog be vaccinated twice a year, I mean, it must well, be pretty darn serious. I think that the, in, the reason for them, for the boroughs, in, in the boroughs, the reason they do that is they, they, they think because of the proximity, the close proximity the animals are in, okay. that it's, you know, it, it's... You know, it's better to be done twice a year, as opposed to like if you go to Long Island, they don't require it twice. Oh, a year. They only require it once a year. Okay. But in the boroughs is where they require it twice a year. So and the again, greater, greater New York City area. Then. Yeah, okay. and again, you know, Bordadella kennel cough. You know, it can. It's. It sounds worse than it is a lot of the times, but if it's not treated and not taken care of, yeah. it can be very, very serious. Um, so it's. It is important to maintain the. Uh, you know, your, your shots, and okay. it isn't important to. You know, if you see your dog coughing, gagging, um, make sure you get vet's attention, you know, pretty Good quickly. Point. Good point. Um, a, a related issue, I notice that one of the local banks offers a little dog dish with water in it. It's a stainless steel bowl, it looks like. Yeah. And sometimes my dog is reaching for it, and I usually pull her away from it. Now, only because, you know, I don't drink from someone else's cup in the streets or in a bar, so why would I have my dog drink from someone else's bowl? I 100% agree with you. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. I don't feel yes. so bad then. Most of the time you see those bowls of water like thick anyway. Exactly. Water. I mean, yeah. I know the bank wants to do this to be bank to be dog friendly, sure. but then again, how many mouse has gone to that thing? Exactly. You know, you don't All know right. how clean that bowl is. Do they just dump the water on at night? Yeah. fill in the morning? Is it disinfected? Yeah. Do they have stray dogs that sometimes come and drink out of it's it? It's possible. We don't know. You know, you, you okay. take so, precaution. All right, Take just like I wouldn't drink from someone's glass in the exactly. bar. Exactly, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. You know, okay. definitely not. <laughs> Thanks for the reassurance, then. Mike, just a follow-up question to what you just said: Why the emphasis on stainless steel bowls? Because uh, what about just plain plastic bowls, which most dog pet stores sell anyway? That's a really good question. Um, a couple of reasons: plastic bowls, um, believe it or not, they, they can actually harbor germs in them. Um, you know, if you, if you look at plastic with a under a microscope, you'll see that it's not 100% smooth at the bottom. Not that stainless steel is, but okay. plastic has like areas that, that germs can actually, I want to say, they can grasp onto, if you will. Mm. And, you know, it, it doesn't come as clean as you know, stainless steel does. Stainless mm. steel, once you, can, you know, chemically clean stainless steel, it's, that's it. It's, it's, okay. it's clean. Okay. Um, plastic also has tendency to start to wear out. You know, with dogs drinking water out of it, mm. constant saliva, constant water, it starts to wear out, and it, it can release a chemical into the water that's not really healthy for dogs. It's also, you know, it, that's why they tell you not to reuse water bottles as well, <laughs> because you know it can harbor germs in the bottle, and it, the germs do it adhere or attach to the plastic, if you will, and you know you can get sick from that. So great. that's why they make the stainless steel drinking bottles that are All much right. much better and healthier for you. That's a great question, Dennis. I, I just realized I got to change my bottles too. <laughs> now you brought up that topic. Stainless steel. <laughs> Michael, I have a hypothetical question. Let's say, uh, as a customer, I bring in my dog, and you know I go away on vacation afterwards, and the 
kennel is taking care of the dog. What if the kennel discovers that the dog is now developing some kind of an illness and the owner's already gone to their destination, their travel destination? What, what would the kennel, how would they handle a situation like that? Well, that's a good question too because... You know, a lot of times the owners may not be aware that their dog has, you know, come in contact with, you know, let's say Bordadella again, which is one of the most common, and they'll take their dog in, and even though their dog's vaccinated, you know, they came in contact with it, let's say at the dog park, and they come to the kennel, and now, you know, myself or my staff start, you know, notices that this dog is starting to cough. The first thing, first and foremost, the first, I mean, before anything, we're going to quarantine that dog immediately quarantine that dog, get him away from the, uh, you know, the general population, if you will. Okay. Um, next, we're going to go in there and we're going to decontaminate the entire area that that dog was in oh. to make sure that the bowls, the kennel areas, the kennel decking, everything, anywhere that dog has been is going to be decontaminated. Wow. Okay. We have, we use, um, well, we use, we use uh, chemicals and we also use, you know, a, a steam blasting machine that actually kills everything as well. We steam blast the kennels two to three times a year. The entire kennel we empty out, okay. and we blast it. Um, but we'll immediately quarantine that dog, and the first thing we'll do is we'll try and contact the owner. Um, however, we require an emergency contact, name and number. Uh, that's somebody who's here while you're away that right. for any emergency such as this can come and pick the dog up immediately. Oh, if that emergency contact cannot pick up that dog, then yeah. we will contact our local emergency vets, emergency hospitals, and we'll have them quarantine the dog in their facility that's you know equipped to handle this okay. um, until the owner gets back. Okay. Um, but the first thing we do is we get that dog out of there. Then, unfortunately, the next thing we have to do is make sure we monitor all the dogs that have been around that dog to make sure that nobody else has come in contact with that you know, the kennel cause you know, uh, virus. But if you have a dog next to that dog that's going home that day, then you need to let the owners know. Right. You know, it's something that every kennel owner dreads. You don't ever want to find out you have a, you know, a dog in your facility that's sick. You don't ever want to find out that any other dogs in your facility have become contaminated. However, your moral responsibility is to ensure the owners and, you know, in, inform the owners if something right. has happened so that they can watch out for the general health of their dogs and make sure that nothing has happened. Or what happens you know, in the near future. It sounds like you're at that point running hospital procedures then. Yeah, quarantining. Well, and, yeah, you uh, got to You know, we have a quarantine area. Uh, we can. We don't quarantine. You know, we've never had the issue. Thank God, in yeah. the six years that we've been here. Okay. But uh, you know, we do have a quarantine area that's that we keep clean and and away from all the other dogs. God forbid, should this situation happen, you know, we're we're, we're equipped to handle it. Okay, let me see, Dennis. We have another email here from Denise L. from Michigan. She says, um, Mike, my dog is 13 years old, and we're thinking of boarding him for the first time. Is this a good idea, or should we reconsider? Well, here's the thing. There's a certain amount of stress that's put on a dog when they're boarding. Now, stress can either come under the category of excitement, where they're so excited to be with other dogs. I mean, you know, as far as your dog goes, she gets excited to come here. Yeah. She loves playing here. She, she jumps does. up and down. When she's here, she goes berserk. Yeah. And, you know, that, that puts a certain amount of stress on a dog's heart and a stress, you know. Yeah. So stress doesn't have to ne- necessarily be negative. Right. It could be positive when, when we're discussing, you know, stress. But there is a category called high-risk border. Mm. And the thing that you have to be aware of is 
any dog that's 10 years or older, we put in a category of high-risk order. Um, and there are certain risks that do come with boarding your dog at, you know, at an older age. Um, so I don't want to say it's a bad idea to do it, but it's something that you have to make sure your dog can handle. And I, you know, it's hard to, it's really hard to figure that out. I mean, maybe if you boarded him for one day before you leave him for the long time, long term stay, you know, you could find that out. But high risk boarders, you know, are any dogs ten years or older, or any dogs that are on any kind of, you know, medication such as heart medication, um, you know, detrimental medication to their health, something that's keeping helping keep them alive, would really fall under a high risk border. And we do make our clients well aware that with high risk boarding comes certain risks that you know other do- <clears throat> excuse me that other dogs don't necessarily have um, things that could happen you know heart attacks um, you know I mean, I mean there's a whole category of things we could discuss you yeah. know but you, you know it, you just have to be aware that you know uh, there is a lot of risks and factors involved with you know high risk boarding <laughs> when I hear the word high risk <clears throat> I, it, it sounds more like some bad interaction between dogs or some dog snapping at other dogs or something like that. That's what it sounds like. Well, I mean, it depends on the facility you go to. That is definitely things that you have to be concerned about at certain facilities. Um, you know, at our particular facility, we don't allow the dogs to come on, on in contact with each other. Other facilities have playrooms and stuff like that where they do come in contact with each other. It's really what you prefer. Right. You know, I, I, I prefer to have my dogs not in contact with other dogs, but they're next to each other, they can see each other, but they're, you know, they're on their own. You know, you have to remember dogs are territorial creatures. So when you have one dog next to another dog and one dog is dominant and the other dog is not dominant, you know, if they were together, you could have a potential situation, or if you have two dominant dogs, you'd have even worse of a situation. So if you have two dominant dogs um, and, you know, they come in contact with each other, you're gonna have a problem. But here, what we do is when you separate them and you have a dominant dog next to a dominant dog, but they know they can't get at each other, they tend to relax. We get a lot of dogs here that are not dog friendly, that are dog aggressive. But when they're here, they're next to all the other dogs and they they, they relax. They have a good time. They just, they relax. Because if I can't get to you and you can't get to me, there's really nothing to be dominant about. Right. So we have our own territories and now we can just bark and act like dogs. We don't have to worry about, you know, showing each other dominance or competing with one another. Yeah, I'll try and bark louder than you, but that's pretty much you know, the extent of it. So it, it's actually a better situation, in my opinion, than having you know, a common area where all the dogs can play together. And you know, these dogs, I have little dogs next to giant dogs running back and forth barking like maniacs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they enjoy themselves. So it works out well. But again, it's really what you prefer. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the uh, dealer's choice. Michael, I have another question here from Jacob A. uh, from Bermuda, of all places. Question is regarding, have you ever had someone leave a dog at your kennel and just abandon the dog, never ended up picking up the dog afterwards? Have you ever seen that problem? Yes, we have, as a matter of fact. Um, It doesn't happen too often. Um, However, we have had uh, two dogs that were abandoned here. Not counting dogs that have been tied to our fence and left here, which again is illegal. Um, it is a misdemeanor to abandon an animal. Um, but we have had clients that came and just decided, you know what, I'm done. Never called back, never paid their bills, and just left their dogs here. Um, what we what what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to notify the, you know the um, 
the uh, Humane Society, the SPCA, okay. um, Animal Control. We're supposed to let them know. This way they can you know, take the dog into the shelter. Or, or what we can do is we can hold the dog for a certain amount of time. We can send the owners letters. We send them uh, certified mail. We send them letters giving them the opportunity to pick the dog up, giving them a certain deadline to pick the dog up. Um, and by law, we have to hold that dog, I think it's, uh, I want to say, three to four days after they're supposed to have picked the dog up. We usually okay. hold the dog for 10. Okay. Um, and give them um, every opportunity to come get their dog. We'll try and contact them. We'll contact their emergency contact. And at that point, what we try to do is we'll try and maybe rehome the dog. Um, because... You know, the city shelters are already overwhelmed. Right, right. So if we're able to help rehome that dog, we will. Um, but it's it's the wrong way to do it. You know, it's, it's definitely the wrong way to do it. We are more than happy to help people rehome their dogs. Um, however, you have to do it the right way. Yeah. And if you want to rehome your dog, and if you're looking to get rid of your dog, um, I mean, I, I think that what you should do first and foremost is try everything in your power to keep your dog. I mean, most people say, oh, we're getting a new apartment. They don't allow dogs. Well, you know what? Find an apartment that has a dog, that is dog-friendly. Because it's your responsibility. When you take on the responsibility of an animal, it's your responsibility. It's a family member. That's how I treat it. It is. It is. And believe it or not, dogs go through terrible anxiety when they're abandoned. And, you know, because they're attached to their family much like anybody else would be attached to their family. You know, then they go through anxiety when they're abandoned. And, you know, it takes a lot for them to adjust to another family, and, and it's very, very stressful, and, you know, they go through a lot. It's, it's not just as easy as dumping a dog and they find a family and they're happy. It's not how it works. Um, so you should really try everything in your power, and we will help you do that, too. I mean, if you're looking for apartments, you can go in many different places. Craigslist has, you know, dog-friendly apartments. You can find dog-friendly apartments anywhere. Yeah. But for whatever circumstance, if you need to get rid of your dog, there are proper ways to do it. And one way is to contact a facility such as ours, let us know that you're looking to rehome your dog, send us pictures, send us you know, an email telling us about your dog, a little bio, bio about your dog, and we will try and help you rehome. Right. Um, there's also rescues that are out there. There's, every pure breed has a pure breed rescue. Just type in Rottweiler Rescue, or you can type in uh, Shih Tzu Rescue, and there are rescues that will help you rehome your dog as well. Yeah. But... You know, just dumping them or leaving them or abandoning them somewhere is completely irresponsible and unacceptable. Yeah. And it's just the wrong way to go about it. We do press charges. We do take you to court. We will come after you okay. if you abandon or leave your dog here. We will, to the fullest extent of the law, we will come after you. Um, we'll never dump the dog yeah. because we're just not irresponsible it's like that. It's sad that anyone would do but that. But we will come after you. And right. the law does not take it very lightly any longer abandoning animals. They really do. They're really starting to crack down on it as they should. Yeah. What was the resolution of the instances you mentioned? Actually, we're going to court in about two weeks okay. <laughs> for one dog that was abandoned here. Right. Um, but we were able to get that dog, sweet dog, we were able to get that dog into a new home. Okay. And... Um, you know, I, I don't care what the situation is. I don't care if it's financially. You can't financially afford to keep your dog anymore. That's fine. Yeah. If you can't financially afford to keep your dog anymore, then we will help you rehome it, but do it the right way. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing. People say they can't financially afford to keep their dogs, but how much does it really cost to feed your dog? I mean, you can go to BJ's and for $11 get a 50-pound bag of food that'll feed your dog for God knows how long. Yeah. It sounds you know, it's, it's hiding some other issue. Yeah, um, it's kind of sad. For whatever reason, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way. Right. By the way, Mike, uh, you probably know this, but a good number of our listeners on Twitter 
are actually uh, dog rescue places. And that's fantastic. Thanks to all those people who are listening in. Uh, just glad that you could well, join us. Well, we appreciate us. all you're doing. Yeah. We appreciate it. And believe me, I know for I, I came from rescue, and that's how I started in this in this business. Yeah. And I know that it is. There is no easy task. It's not easy. There's no money. There's really no funding. Right. And you know, people who do rescue do it from their heart. Right. And you know, that's that's the only thing they that where it comes from. Right. And I champion all those folks. And by the way, of those folks who are out on Twitter, who are involved with dog rescue. My hands, my heart goes out to we you guys. You, we give you a round of applause. Yeah, that's Good right. For you guys, exactly. Man. And by the way, if you have any stories or things you want to share with us, uh, we'll read it out on the podcast because it's a small world. Yes, uh, topics. Would, if you have topics you'd yes. like to discuss, yeah. and you or you'd like to call in during one of our podcasts, we'd yeah. be more than happy to to get you involved in a conversation and and, and you know do a topic with you. It'd be yeah. great. In the meantime, you can probably leave us uh, uh, anything you would like on the comment section at caddyk9.com underneath each podcast is a comments field so you just and please you spell that for us one more time sure not a problem uh, caddyk9 is spelled c-a-t-t-y c-a-n-i-n-e dot com and so we definitely encourage our listeners to please leave comments or questions and it's a small world and we definitely have a lot of things we can share together and you can also email us at doggybegood uh, dot net. It's, it, the email is info, I-N-F-O, at doggybegood.net. D-O-G-G-Y-B-E-G-O-O-D.net. And uh, thank you for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Bye now.